Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Even now, says the Lord, Return to me with your whole heart, for I am gracious and merciful. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So, what do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Women, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. I remember precious little about first grade. I'm amazed when some of you can come and tell me that stories, tons of stories you can remember from first grade, second grade, third grade. I, can be, I only remember the most traumatic of events. I remember one, first grade, Mrs. Wunderlich teaching us about Genesis and about Adam and Eve. And she said, talked about how Adam had a, a rib removed from his side and built up into Eve. And because of that, man is missing a rib, and that's why he leaves his mother and father and joins with his wife. He's looking for his rib. I went home that night. I mean, they're all there. There's something wrong with me. That's probably the beginning of my celibate vocation. But another traumatic event was the very first day of school. 
even before school started. We were all out in the plaza before the school, and they're dividing up all the classes so you knew who cla whose class you were going to be in. And one of the new boys there, young kids, who had some observable difficulties, wetted his pants pretty severely. And a lot of the children laughed and pointed, and all of us put distance between ourselves and the unfortunate boy. And why is that? Why does there seem to be a tendency in human nature to do that, to distance yourself from one who did something just maybe publicly embarrassing or even wrong? If we were our best selves, you might wish that the children, instead of distancing themselves, would have come closer, you know, rallied around the young boy, tried to find him some help, you know, say, it's okay, don't worry about it. And if you have a friend or family member who sticks by you like this, who will be seen with you when you have done something wrong or stupid, even if they completely disagree with you or think you were wrong, then you have an incalculable treasure because that's not the path that our culture is teaching. Our culture comes much closer, hasn't really changed that much, it comes much closer to what happened in the gospel today. Denounce, distance, punish. Think of the actors and the reporters and the sports figures, the clergy, politicians, musicians, professors, teachers who have been found guilty lately of improper behavior, and often it's sexual, but not always. One only needs to think of the woman who was getting on a plane to Africa a while ago and thoughtly, thoughtlessly tweeted a racist comment to her 200 followers. Then she got on the plane, didn't think anything more of it, and she was off social media because she didn't have reception on the plane. In the meantime, someone forwarded her tweet to a lot of other people, and it was a slow news day, so it was picked up by news agencies, and pretty soon it was spread all over the world, and there were hateful things being said and, and terrible memes being written, and uh, there was even a hashtag, has her plane landed yet, so that people could greet her when she landed. And she was internationally hated and vilified by the time her plane landed in Africa. She'd lost her job, her reputation, all while flying in the air unawares. And today we have the story of the woman caught in adultery. As we can see, this is not an old story. It's as relevant as today's new feed. And granted, there are precious few facts we have to go on with this story. Not unlike what you get in social media. You get this little paragraph. It doesn't tell you the whole story, right? And then same thing with this gospel story. We don't know everything, not the least of which is who else was involved if she was caught in the very act. There had to be at least one other person involved, but we just don't know. And until this moment, what she did or was doing was pretty secret. The day before, if another person had been brought up on the exact same charges, she could have stood with those of righteous indignation and thrown stones right along with them the ancient version of what happens today on the internet. And nobody would have thought anything about it. So there are two major problems Jesus is attempting to deal with today. The first is the action of the righteously indignant. Are they right in denouncing adulterous behavior? Well, yes, of course they are. In a few sentences, Jesus himself 
will tell her, go and sin no more. But the method they used to denounce was just a venting of their anger. There was no room for repentance, forgiveness, redemption, or healing. It's why we are today are so terribly cautious about the death penalty. It takes away the chance of salvation. The other day I was telling a priest friend of mine about some people in the neighborhood who were driving me absolutely nuts. And he listened patiently. And then he said, Father, what is the optimum outcome for you here? And I said that they pack up, sell their house, move away, and I never see them again. And he sat there looking at me and gave me the hairy eyeball over his glasses. I said, okay, what I meant to say was that there's a major conversion and we reconcile and that we work together for the betterment of God's kingdom. And he goes, very good. All right. <laughs> so Jesus did not take away the responsibility for sin. What he did was provide room for the possibility of reconciliation, uniting, healing, trolling, attacking on social media, gossiping, road rage, even the death penalty. These are all just versions of the stoning of the woman caught in adultery. Today's gospel is a message to those with stones or keyboards in their hands. There's that. Then there is the woman. Two nights ago at dinner, Father Anthony and I were talking about the scandal in the church and how many pastors in our area were talking about a drop in attendance at, at parishes and a drop in collections and how even RCIA seems to be smaller this year. And I thought, you know, these men that did these horrendous things, that they really think what they were doing was secret that it would never hurt anybody else? Did they have any idea that these little actions that they were going to do was going to cause such worldwide trauma, affect so many people's souls? How could they think that what they were doing was so private? And Father Anthony, who occasionally does these things, drops a gem of spirituality. He says, too bad they and the person in the gospel today did not know that their chastity did not belong to them. Too bad that the person in the gospel this weekend and those men did not know that their chastity does not belong to them. And I drop my fork. I said, wow, I can't believe you just said that. I have to rewrite my whole homily now. I hope you're happy. <laughs> but it's true. We are all called to the proper manifestation in our state of life to chastity. Married people, single people, celibate people. It is a gift and it comes with responsibility that affects everybody. There is no such thing as private sin. Sin always brings harm into the world even when we don't realize it. That's the very definition of sin. It's why it's called sin. And that's the world in a nutshell. We are not simply individuals on an island. We are part of the family of God. And we are intercon interconnected. We have impact on each other with the way we act, even in private. And because of this, we have a certain responsibility for each other. 
But as Christians, we also realize we are not just a body, but individually members of it. And so the sovereignty of the individual's life and reputation and ability to reform and find forgiveness must be respected. So this is the clever and brilliant thing that Jesus does today. He helped the community realize that the despite the woman's now public sin, she still has the dignity of a human being. As a daughter of her heavenly father, the pathway must be open to reconciliation. But he also guided her to the responsibility that is essential for a people of community, of a culture, of the body of Christ, that not only do we have rights, but we have responsibilities. That's the message of the confessional. When one is ready to realize that he has sinned and that, it, that sin affects all the people around you, we have a God who stands by you and who is willing to say, you are forgiven. I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. And the only thing that he asks as he forgives and guides us is that we as church and as individuals do the same thing as we daringly respond, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us.